If ever you are accustomed to tuning out the message, this might be one of the days that, that I would give you permission to, because today's message, quite frankly, isn't for everyone. Jesus made that clear if you heard the words of the gospel as he encouraged us to carry out our calling to bear crosses. Jesus qualified that invitation to pick up our cross and follow him. Did you notice that he qualified it by saying, whoever wants to be my disciple? That's not everybody, is it? Now, clearly, it's not those who are unbelievers who would fall into the category of, of non-Christians or unbelievers. But, but do you think that that also applies to some that claim to be Christians, some who identify as Christians, but we might be slow to call them disciples? Maybe an illustration. Think of, uh, of two students, two individuals who are enrolling at SDSU, San Diego State University, this fall. The first student enrolls in class, uh, makes all of his classes on time, does all the homework, completes all the quizzes, all the tests, does this all four years, eventually gets a diploma and graduates. The other student parties, has zero commitment to anything academic related. Now, technically, both are students enrolled in the university and paying tuition. But really, when we come down to what is the definition of a student, it applies to only one of them, doesn't it? So we can be a, a Christian, and yet not every Christian is maybe as much a disciple as we consider the criteria that Jesus even lays out in Scripture. Think of the ways that he describes somebody that is a disciple. It's somebody who holds to his teaching. A disciple of Jesus is somebody who loves one another. A disciple is one who is willing to give up everything. A disciple of Jesus is one who also makes disciples of others. And to that list, to the criteria of being a disciple of Jesus, he adds this today in verse 23 of chapter 9, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus calls us, that's part of our vocation, to take up our cross and follow him. Now, what makes this particularly a struggle, those three criteria, is that we, we like to get right to the cross-bearing. And then we fail to realize the really big obstacle that precedes that, that gets in the way oftentimes of our cross-bearing. And it's the first step that Jesus laid out there. It's denying self. See, unless we do that, until we deny self, we're not even going to get to that place of being willing and able to, to bear any cross in our lives. I want you to imagine it this way, to, to think of that challenge of denying self. Imagine that, that you opened your eyes and it didn't matter which direction you looked, no matter where you faced, you saw one thing in front of you everywhere you looked, a mirror. And what do you see when you look in a mirror? You see you. You see a reflection of you. And that is kind of an accurate description of how by nature we see the world. Everything we see is through the lens of us first. And we can trace that all the way back into the Garden of Eden to the fall into sin. See, 
Adam and Eve, they, they had a perfect view. They could see God for who he really was. In, in all of his love and all of his compassion, his grace, they could appreciate the relationship they had with him, the perfect unity and harmony that existed. But Satan tried to convince and succeeded in convincing them that God was withholding the real view. He wouldn't let them see what they really looked like until they ate the fruit. And in a way, well, then they saw what they really looked like. But with the fall into sin and the reflection of that mirror, it wasn't a perfect image. Instead, that image was cracked. Spider webs, a mirror that is cracked and shows every imperfection. And that is what each and every one of us sees now. Every time we look around in this world, we see it through the lens of self. So until, unless we deny self, then we aren't even able to get to that place of bearing cross. So, how does one deny self? Well, it also involves two other steps. Slowing down, oftentimes, and letting go. You ever find yourself thinking, I'll, I'll really dial into devotions or Bible study or my relationship with Jesus or my connection to my church when, when life just slows down, when I don't have so much on my plate? And what ends up happening then, we convince ourselves that's the truth. So we, we kind of rush through things. We hurry up to get more done because we, we tell ourselves and maybe we tell our pastor and we tell our other Christian friends, once I get this done and this done and this done and this done, then, then Jesus will have that right place. Then I'll make the, the priority worship and, and worship, worship and Bible study and getting close to God. But what ends up happening is it's like, it's like hitting the, the button on the treadmill to speed it up. It's like being on a hamster wheel that we can never get off. The, the harder we go, the more we need to get done just so that we can get it out of the way and, and then give Jesus his rightful place in our life. We only keep adding more and we burn ourselves out and then we have no energy, no resolve, no resiliency to ever even think about bearing a cross. So we need to just slow down and say no to so many of the things that really serve self. And maybe, maybe we, we serve others, uh, our kids or our family, but really that, that ends up coming back to us too. We're doing it for self. The other thing we need to do is to let go. Stop and think, can you really pick up a cross? Can you bear a cross if your hands are full? So if we cling to the things of this world, if we have other first loves that come before God, and we aren't really willing to, to drop those, to let those go, how do you ever expect to pick up a cross when your hands are filled with the things that you want to embrace and cling to in this world? In fact, Jesus even warned against that, didn't he? In verses 24 and 25, said, Forever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? What good is it if you have all of these things piled up in your hands and you do that to the detriment of your eternity? You love these things. You love the stuff of this world so that you can't pick up a cross and follow Jesus and run the risk then of forfeiting eternity. And as if those things aren't difficult enough to deny self and, and smash that mirror, shatter the mirror to be able to see beyond it in this world, and also then to just slow down and then to let go of so many of the things we cling to, then there's this other issue that 
that crosses are simply unpleasant, aren't they? There's nothing appealing about them because when we're talking about crosses and cross-bearing, it's synonymous with suffering and hardship and trial. And those aren't naturally things anybody is drawn to. And we as Christians are no different. Nobody would raise their hand and willingly say, yes, Lord, bring suffering into my life. I can't wait to endure it. And yet the crosses to bear that Jesus calls us to pick up and, and follow him, those are the, the kind of sufferings, not just general suffering in a broken, fallen world, but the kind of suffering that is directly related to our relationship to Jesus. It's because of our faith in Jesus. So it's something that causes us to doubt or struggle. Uh, it's an illness, it's a disease, it's a lost job. It can be anything that allows us to, to doubt God's promises or to waver in our trust or to look elsewhere for, for help and guidance. Any of those things can be crosses to bear and none of them are pleasant. So why do we bear them? Why do we pick up the crosses? Here's why. When we bear our crosses, Jesus promises that that will bear blessings. They may not seem pleasant at the time, but as we pick them up, as Jesus gives us the strength to endure through them, he will bless us. Picture it this way. Imagine a, a necklace or an earring, a, a cross-shaped one. Now, again, if we keep in mind this picture of crosses, a cross is not a pleasant thing. It's not an experience that anyone longs to have or looks forward to. So it starts with just a, a little cross, the size of one that would fit on your necklace. But what happens as you pick up that little cross? Not maybe a whole lot of suffering, maybe something rather small, rather insignificant, but it's, it's hard nonetheless, and you pick it up, what do you see beneath that cross? You see what you couldn't see before, that there were blessings hidden beneath it. Maybe just a few because it's a small cross at first, right? But then, then along comes a, another cross, one that maybe fits in the palm of your hand. And again, the first, the first inclination is to avoid it because we aren't drawn to suffering. Nobody wants to, to put up with that. But, but then you remember what happened the last time you picked up the cross. This one's a little bit larger, but but you remember the blessings that were attached the last time. And so you lift up this cross and sure enough, as you bear it, you see beneath that cross too were more blessings. And so on and so forth. Sometimes a, a larger cross is what God allows in our lives, sometimes smaller ones, but there will always be more crosses, but that only means there will always be more blessings. What are some of those blessings that Jesus attaches to bearing our cross? Think of the Apostle Paul when, when he reminds us that, that this kind of suffering can produce perseverance and hope and character and patient endurance. That he promises and attaches many blessings as we endure, as we lean on, as we trust in the Lord more and more to bear up under these crosses. So we don't do it because we delight in the cross-bearing itself, but we delight in the blessing that Jesus attaches to it, which we know is always going to come out of any kind of cross-bearing. So we pick up our cross, we bear it willingly, because we know that Jesus attaches his promise of blessing. So we've denied self, we pick up our cross, 
And that all sounds well and good, but Jesus wasn't done yet, was he? There was the last part, in addition to picking up our cross, bearing that cross daily, and appreciating the blessings that come through it, Jesus also invites us as his disciples and as a part of our calling to follow him. As if the first two weren't difficult enough, now he calls us to to follow him. Now that can be especially challenging as well when, when Jesus says to go this way and we would rather veer off this direction. But probably our own experience has taught us when When Jesus guides us this way and we go the other way, it hasn't worked out so well. Just ask Jonah in the Old Testament. I was reminded of of how often our own natural inclinations kind of lead us astray uh, not too long ago. Several weeks ago, I had visited with someone at at a coffee place, a new place, one that I hadn't been to. So I did what we all do, punched in the address And my navigation app took me to the place and it tells you when you arrive. And I looked at the pictures of the place on my phone and I looked around and I saw the exact spot where the coffee uh, place was supposed to be and it wasn't there. Checked the directions again, checked the picture again, and it was in a strip mall. So I thought maybe it was a, a different side of the strip mall that I wasn't seeing, but it was nowhere to be found. Now, thankfully, it was right across the street in a a, a new larger building and was easy to find once I had done a little more research online and seen that they had recently moved. But doesn't that kind of depict how life often goes when we want to not follow Jesus but go our own direction? We punch in our own destination into our own personal GPS, our navigation app, and it takes us where we think we want to go and we arrive there and it turns out nothing like what we expected. It's happened to all of us. And honestly, it's going to continue to happen to us if we insist on following our own path instead of the one that Jesus has laid out for us. But now following him doesn't mean that we are looking for signs in in nature or all around us or in the interactions we have from other people for Jesus to guide us in every little decision in our lives. It doesn't mean that that Jesus is going to give you a sign of what to order off the menu the next time you go out for breakfast. But to follow Jesus does, it does mean that we're going to be guided by his word through our decision-making processes. Following Jesus does mean that we are going to take the path that, that avoids sin over the path that puts us in close proximity to sin. Following Jesus does mean that we are going to, to seek his counsel and guidance and advice from his word and from our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we don't expect that that means he's going to reveal to us who the perfect partner is, that he's going to tell us if we should take this job or not, but rather to understand that in general, God is going to guide our lives as we follow him. And you know what else makes it easier to follow Jesus? It can be imposing, it can be intimidating, especially when we consider he was perfect. And we know that we will never measure up, and so sometimes we might be, rightly so, discouraged to follow the perfect Son of God because we'll never follow in his footsteps perfectly. Nonetheless, just as bearing crosses brings blessings, so does following Jesus. Think of following Jesus the way a, a little child is following the Father through freshly fallen 
snow. Now, if, if dad isn't in front of that child and you've got layer upon layer of freshly fallen snow, that child is likely to get stuck somewhere in the snow. But what a difference it makes to follow in the footsteps of dad who has gone before the little child and packed in that snow with each step. And, and all the child has to do is the tiny little feet follow in the path that father has already made through the snow. And that's how we follow Jesus may not be the direction we think we want to go at first, but as we start to follow him, we realize it's, it's much easier than we maybe thought at first. And not only that, there's another reason that we follow Jesus. And it's not just because as we follow him, he's going to show us how to live and act and behave, although he certainly does guide us in those respects. But there's something that is even greater that we hold out to, and it is, in fact, where that following Jesus leads us to. It leads us to his cross. The cross that he picked up, the cross that Jesus bore for us. For all of our imperfections, for all of our failures, for all of our sin, it's not about our needing to bear our own cross to make up for those but rather it's following Jesus to see that he picked up his cross for us. He picked up his cross to pay for imperfect, wayward disciples, those who, who refuse to put things down in this world, who, who want to do more, who want to be more busy, who don't have time for him, who say later on, I'll deny self, who refuse to pick up crosses. That's why we follow him, because he picked up his for us. So that as we follow him, each step is another proof that our sins have been paid for. Each step that takes us to the cross, that leads us to the tomb, and then points us to the heavens where he will return again with full confidence to take you and me and all believers to be with him. This is why we follow Jesus. And we pray that in the process he'll make us more like him. But we are grateful that he is forgiven who and what we are on our own. We are grateful that he gives us a clean heart, a, a pure heart to follow in his footsteps and the desire to do so as well. That's really how Jesus set the tone in these verses. When you look before he even invites any disciples to, to follow him, remember that he set the tone to his disciples pointing out that the Son of Man had to, to be handed over, to be rejected, to die and to rise again. He had to, because imperfect disciples, sinful, failed disciples like you and me, needed a perfect Savior who would bear his cross so that he could promise us blessings as he guides us and equips us to bear our crosses as well. That is our calling. May he give you the grace to carry it out. Amen.